This is Mid-Missouri's Total Sports Station. KTGR, and it's time to get big. That was a big-time answer right there. You've got the big show with Andy and Brent serving up sports talk from Mizzou to the pros. And everything in between. Join us now on the KTGR hotline and sound off on today's biggest stories in sports. The big show starts now. You bet it does. Welcome into this Monday edition of The Big Show on ESPN 100.5 and 105.1 KTGR, your total sports station in Mid-Missouri. Thanks for tuning in online at KTGR.com and on the KTGR app. It's Andy, Brendan, and producer Chris all here. Back from the weekend. We hope you enjoyed yours. We're talking a lot of NFL today, of course, uh, with, with the Chiefs getting back on track yesterday. And on the cusp of the playoffs, all they have to do is win this weekend. They've clinched the division, I believe. So, how far will they go? It didn't look all that pretty in New England uh, yesterday, right? Just kind of, I mean, they covered. Uh, kudos to them, but... There's the ticket. Yeah. They covered. This they is covered. what they do. They, you know, we kind of we kind of thought it could be a little ugly, and yet to still win by more than a spread that wasn't small, you know, they did their jobs. And they did their jobs enough. Did every single person do their jobs? Well, we might talk about that in a few minutes. We'll talk uh, some Mizzou, of course. Uh, They lost yesterday in men's hoops. What do we think about that? Uh, Their loss in Kansas City to Seton Hall. Not a great non-conference loss to take. And now we've got bragging rights coming up. So can things pick up soon for Mizzou men's hoops? We'll talk about that at 5.05. Very good vibes when it comes to Mizzou football and recruiting which this week is supposed to be a very big week for recruiting with the early signing period opening up on Wednesday. And honestly, I'm just here for the Twitter hype. That's really all I'm here for, right? Just, oh man, I can't wait to see what uh, comes out uh, the other end for Mizzou uh, football. So we'll talk about that at 525. And then we'll get the thoughts of uh, Bill Connolly of ESPN for, uh, for the Cotton Bowl because it's coming up. What do we think about that matchup and who all might be playing in that Cotton Bowl, especially on the Ohio State side? We'll talk about that at 425. And then his thoughts on the playoff matchups, too. You can call or text us at 875-KTGR. You can also tweet us at KTGR Big Show and find us on Facebook, too, at facebook.com slash KTGR Big Show. Now the Big Show's Big Deal. Chiefs got the victory. They avoided three straight losses, which is always good. But they uh, they kind of had to struggle a bit through their game against the Patriots. Ultimately, it was a 10-point victory in New England, 27-17. Patrick Mahomes threw for over 300 yards. He had a couple of touchdowns, but also two interceptions. One of them came right off the hands of Kadarius Toney and uh, set up the Patriots for a field goal. But the Chiefs, you know, they got the job done. And Clyde Edwards-Alaire looked very good in the game, too, with over 100 uh, all-purpose yards and a skying touchdown catch. So the Chiefs are now 9-5. and five. They are just one win away against the Raiders on Christmas Day from sealing up the AFC West Division title once again. We'll see if they can get that done. That game's in Arrowhead a week from today on Christmas at noon. You can hear it on 96.7 KCMQ. And that is the Big Show's Big Deal on this 18th day of December 2023. 875 KTGR to call or text us. Do we, I mean, I know there are, I know it's fair to say that the Chiefs did well enough to not make you feel all that antsy about what the outcome might be for most of the contest. 
But were you satisfied mostly by that win, uh, the 10-point victory at the Patriots? I mean, they Bailey Zappi looked pretty good. They helped him to kind of look good at the start of the game, but I'm not sure uh, how you feel about it. Yeah, Hunter Henry looked good. It was annoying to continue to see Hunter Henry on my TV screen catching passes. What? He had like six or seven annoying. catches. Yeah. Because it's like he's a fine player. He's been around for a while, but – Devontae Parker, I think, had a few catches, too, where I was just like, I don't want to, why are, come on, these guys aren't like that. You don't need to, you don't need to make these guys look like they're elite. But I think it was a a solid enough, kind of like bend but don't break. They gave up some yards. They gave up some first downs. But the Chiefs defense mostly did their job. And, I mean, I thought outside of a couple of mistakes, the offense did its job. Mahomes had the passing day we thought he'd have, over 300 yards. Maybe not so much on the two interceptions, but... Uh, one of those, at least one of those, was certainly not his fault. I think was maybe the reference that Andy made as to whether everyone did uh, his job or not. That's very clearly the uh, the direction I was going with that. Kadarius, uh, Kadarius. my man. <laughs> man. Okay, like, so this is a thing that actually happened, and I'm yeah. not proud of it, okay. but I was. I thought the narrative, right? I mentioned it last week that I thought maybe Kadarius Tony, they'd scheme up something for him, he'd get a touchdown in this game. I was... I had some hope. Oh, no. And then I I wake up on uh, in, in the morning and see that Tyreek Hill for the Dolphins is not going to play and already had do- been dealing with, I'm talking about fantasy if you haven't caught on to that, already dealing with Keenan Allen on Thursday, he didn't play. So I'm in a 16-person league that I was in first place all year going, well, who do I plug in? And I thought, I could go to my Kadarius Tony narrative. He's obviously available. <laughs> And it's a 16-person league, so there aren't very many aren't options very many available options. whose nope. names yeah. that you've ever heard. So I thought, what's the worst he could do? Well, I guess I found out what's the worst he could do. And now I need a lot from Tyler Lockett tonight to save my season. So thanks, Kadarius, for uh, uh, nothing for a second week in a row for Chiefs fans. He should have lost points from that. The, the drop that leads to an interception. He should have been charged with an interception. Yes. Whatever the negative point total is in your league. That should have gone to Tony and not gone Patrick to Mahomes. T- <laughs> yeah, seriously, that's just oh boy. Well, I, I mean, again, you're you're kind of thinking of what the Chiefs are going to do to try and mask that problem as much as possible. Rasheed uh, Rice, that's Rasheed Rice. That's the answer. Ninety-five percent snap share uh, in, in the game. Yeah, he yesterday. played. He played a lot. Uh, He's going to continue to play a lot. Kadarius, that's all there is. Tony should not. And, and here's the thing, Andy Reid. Uh, in his Zoom today, I was seeing from some of the Chiefs reporters, namely Pete Sweeney, who covers him over at Arrowhead Pride. You know, he was looking at some of the snap counts and maybe indicating that, well, Richie James, only two snaps. That probably needs to change, needs to go up a little bit. I think that probably eats into Kadarius Tony's a little bit more. Well, and also Sky Moore is now out. He's, He's on the now on injured reserve. Injured yeah. list, so inevitably anybody who hasn't been playing snaps is probably going to see some more because you can't continue to play Kadarius Tony. Like you'll probably play some Andy, but I, he is a detriment to the team when he's out there. That's I think to the point that we're well, at right and, now. And you saw it with Mahomes right after the interception, he goes to the bench and like, what's he supposed to do? Right. I mean, he's just, he's shouting out and I'll bet there was an expletive in there somewhere, but it was basically maybe I, one. I can't even is essentially what he was saying. Taylor Swift had right. expletives about the Chiefs game. Oh, yeah. did, you, did you notice that? One directed at, uh, well, I, I'm sure there are one or two directed at uh, receivers 
Uh, no, this was at the refs. Definitely one at the refs. <laughs> <laughs> so how great is it that, and we've talked about this before, when they've shown her on television and she's animated, she's into it, but how quickly she has assimilated to Travis Kelsey, which I think it was a bit of a, a flop. I don't think there should have been a flag. At first I was mad, but then I saw the replay and I thought, okay, I think yeah. Kelsey realized he wasn't in position to make that touchdown catch, and so he tried to sell it for the flag. But immediately they panned to Taylor Swift, and you just get, you know, if you saw, I can't say it because Chris will have to hit a button, but you, if you saw it, you know what, what yep. words she said. Yeah. And it's just hilarious that she's like that into it, which I think is kind of, it's, it's nice, Andy. It's sweet. It's, that's the love story that's playing out is when that's Taylor not, Swift can that's shout That's not true love. I don't know what is. How long did it take Taylor Swift to hate the refs just as much as we do? Not in the long. NFL? It didn't take Not long. It didn't take long at all. She's <laughs> ah, been a fan so for what, 10 weeks? That's all it took. She knows Man. all she needs to know already. She's <laughs> already up to speed. Man. Oh, 875-KTGR. You can call or text us with your thoughts on the Chiefs. And to answer this question, how far will they go? Because, I mean, they're going to go to the playoffs. We know that. We don't know yeah. what seed they'll be. But, I mean, it, how, what's the ceiling then? Uh, you know, what's what's going to happen actually this time? Yeah, and, and you, you referenced Mahomes and maybe having some frustration. There's just like, that's got to be a season long of frustrations. And we thought, like, okay, it all played out last week when he blamed the refs because they took away the touchdown. But really, internally, he kind of knows where a lot, he'd like to direct a lot of that ire. Yeah. And then this week, like, you got to let it out at, at some point because it is torturous to watch a player of his caliber try to do what he needs to do, but he has to rely on these players that are not, I mean, not only are they not of his caliber, they're not, some of these guys are not of any caliber, and they are actively harming his ability to move the ball down the field at times. In uncanny ways, too. It's just a new way every time. And so I just don't, I don't understand uh, what what Patrick Mahomes would have to do in these situations instead of just straight up scrambling most of the time, which Option he has, which he hasn't really had to do, or at least he hasn't chosen to do uh, a lot of the time. Teams have maybe been better at playing him that way, but to be honest with you, I I don't see them if they have to go on the road taking on one of these tougher defenses uh, having a very easy time because look that. They went on the road and they faced, look, New England's been tough, bad this year. Defense has not been part of that. They've had a good defensive unit this year. It's been solid in that sense. Everywhere yeah, else, it's, kaput. Defense has not been the problem. Right now you're down your lead rusher in right. Pacheco. Clyde did have a nice game. Great catch. I mean, Wonderful when we're catch. talking about the wide receivers not being reliable, and for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, all five foot seven of them, I mean, he's my height, Andy, and he jumps up and makes that touchdown grab. That was really a nice play that was uh, helpful in s- kind of settling everything down and settling the Chiefs into that game. But you, you, the, the imagery of him on the bench after the Tony interception, yeah, like that's a, that's a man who's at a loss at this point for what he's supposed to do differently. I like some of the Twitter replies and comments under a video that was posted of the moment where somebody said, "Hey, in Tony's defense, Patrick threw it to him knowing that he's not any good." So, like, what you know, it's really on Mahomes if you, right, right. If you yeah. think about it. Come That's kind of what it boils down to. You've seen that happen before. It happened earlier this year. Led to a pick six. You can't. Yeah. You cannot tell me that Patrick Mahomes dropping back in a playoff game isn't going to have second thoughts when he oh, sees yeah. Kadarius Tony oh. wide open. How can you not? <laughs> right. Because he on a on a play where he's open, 
it, it results in an interception for you. That and it's not like this has just been the first mistake. And you say, "Hey, I got to trust my guys." That was last week's Kadarius Tony mistake, where everybody came out and universally backed Kadarius Tony. I saw that Kelsey on the the podcast with his brother said, "Hey, you know, we all have KT's back, and we know that the next time he's in a situation, he's gonna, you know, they're saying all the right things in public." But my goodness, that the the dis, despair on Patrick Mahomes' face yeah. because he knows that this is who. You dance with who brung you, Andy. That's what the Chiefs decided to do when they didn't trade for a receiver in October. And now Mahomes realizes that the guys that and there's nobody bringing him. He is dragging them, kicking and screaming into the playoffs. And that is that's not a good feeling for a player of his stature. It's not. And there's only so many times that you can say, "Yeah, we support our guys. We, we you know next man up sort of thing." Uh, before just having outbursts like. You know, it, it wasn't necessarily an outburst that he showed yesterday, but it was a very clear sign of frustration with a, a certain player on the team or a certain group on the team. And before that, like you can say he was directing at the officials. I think it was just bent, pent up frustration from nearly a season's worth of mistakes that his receiver group has has bore the team with. And I just it, it was coming to a head, but. Let us know what you think, uh, Chiefs fans. How far can they go in the playoffs? Eight seven five KTGR. And I mean, even Travis Kelsey didn't have a, a a great game. You could see some plays where he um, the, the the play in the end zone that was a. I think you probably call that a drop. I don't know if they officially did, but it's a drop. they hit it in both hands. Yeah. Like he that's, comes down that's with that a catch all the time. He he makes that all the time, Andy. So now, does that mean he's washed? No, that's not what I'm saying. But like, it's just. That bit of frustration and, and lack of execution is sort of permeating a little bit, and that's kind of a dangerous thing to have floating around when you're coming into the playoff scenario that the Chiefs are going to find themselves in. Uh, but they, they're going to get at least a home game, right? And then we'll see kind of where the seeding lays out from there. Hopefully it's something that they can settle into as they embark upon a playoff run. I don't think they're going to lose a game, Andy. Like, we know the quarterbacks that they're going to face the rest of the way, but it is at some point going to be imperative to shrink that margin for error and not make any because in the playoffs you're not going to be able uh, to be afforded that number of just kind of mistakes that, that the team seems to make on a weekly basis. And they probably needed Baltimore to lose last night to have as good of a shot at the one seed as they could get. Yeah, I think yeah. that's about cooked. In the Jag, Almost. I, don't even get me started. That might be more for tomorrow's good, Maybe. bad, and ugly. Yeah, no, I get Jacksonville it. No, I should have led that game yes. thirteen to ten at halftime, yeah. oh, and they absolutely. were down ten nothing. Yeah, I've never seen. <laughs> I no, I, I I get it one hundred percent. I I don't know how it happened. Uh, give us your Chiefs thoughts eight seven five KTGR. Mike's here on the KTGR hotline now. Mike, what's up? Hey man, you guys are great. I love it. I love the comment about it's really Mahomes' fault that he threw it to Tony. I agree. <laughs> yeah. uh, Come on. That, that is a great, great comment. Look at who are we kidding ourselves? It's kind of hard to watch the Chiefs right now. They're just It's just uncomfortable. Even yesterday, you just never felt very comfortable. And you kind of hit all the, all the pieces there. What the heck's happened to Travis Kelsey? Oh, I do know what's happened to him. Yeah, why do I care about football? <laughs> so he's, he's not a force. He, you can see Patrick Mahomes, is a, he wants to throw to him, look for him, but he's cut, he cut the wrong way one time. He's a, he's, his head's not into that. I think I know where his head's at. I would oh, be too. Boy. So, you know, the bottom line is, there's no reason to think they're going to go very far. In my opinion, are they capable of, uh, 
you know, we know how we feel about the Chiefs, but they don't have they don't have the horses out there to catch that ball or do anything. Who are you going to go to? But I would never rule out you know Mahomes. But no, I'm I I would even even the announcers on the on the TVs and so on are going. Uh, they just don't have the swag. Nobody thinks the Chiefs are going very far, but they've fooled us before. Yeah, I mean, they've done it. I uh, appreciate the call, Mike, here on the Big Show KTGR. And I'll say this. Like, Do we need some recruiting monks to be football players? Is that what we need? No, nah, come on, right, exactly. Man. Like, you can say all you want a, about what impact the relationship has. Didn't Mahomes have, like, two Kelsey's kids when he won on that crazy MVP season last year? Yeah, like, it, it's not that you can't have love when you have Taylor a Taylor Swift is just season. different, man. It is different. Just requires like, a different level of attention to maintain sure that relationship, yeah. I guess. I mean, but... I'll say this. It does not take long for us to completely change our outlook on what (laughs) Travis Kelsey is. Like, all he's got to do is just snap back into it with a 10-catch, 100-yard game with a touchdown or two, and then we're like, okay, back to normal. Just uh, drag Raiders defensive backs up and down the field on Christmas, and you'll be fine. Yeah, he's going to go off for, I've got to find a jurisdiction of legality. Multiple touchdowns on Christmas is my prediction for Travis Kelsey. Look, and we can go back just... The last three games before this one, six for 91, four for 81, six for 83. Those are fine lines. Like, he's not scoring as many touchdowns, but it feels kind of like the offense isn't scoring quite as many touchdowns in general. I I haven't looked recently at where they rank, but we knew they were more. They're closer to the middle of the pack in scoring than they really have been in recent years, and that that probably still holds. So I, I still think it is in there for Travis Kelsey. It's just it's a lot more difficult when they need it from you and you're the only option. Like, you're the only place they're going to get it from compared to past years when there just may have been more reliable options surrounding Travis Kelsey. So I feel like that is why it's more pronounced when Mahomes is, like, going to have to laser focus on you because the other guys he doesn't trust, and then you make one mistake, and then it feels like everything's crumbling down. Chiefs still won this game by 10. They're going to probably win the next three games by 10. We, We just... What happens over the next month to kind of settle everybody in? Is there something that can happen? It might be the best thing for them that Sky Moore is not able to be out there because they're going to have to give those snaps to other people, and maybe some of those other people can show up. But, like, Rasheed Rice, I think you can rely upon. I think he has established that. Maybe they've done it by they have no better alternatives than to play him basically the entire game, but that's kind of what they did yesterday. And I say bully for him. That's really all you can do if you got a guy that you trust. Get him out there until he needs a break for air, and then get it back out there. Like it's the way this team might have to operate offensively. And as you said, Andy, they're going to have to rely on the defense to get where they want to go. How far are they going to go? The answer might be as far as this defense takes them. Honestly, well, and I mean, you can say that. Look, all season long they've put together really good numbers. Are you satisfied with giving up 17 points against the Patriots? Yeah, uh, on the road though. Game? On the road, yeah, I, I suppose. But they were missing Ramondre Stevenson. They had Ezekiel Elliott at running back. I mean, and again, as you mentioned, they made guys like Hunter Henry and Devontae Parker look like yeah, pretty good. uh, But those are the only guys that really had notable numbers. I mean, Zappy had twenty three completions for one hundred eighty yards, a touchdown, a pick. But like you're saying, I think you're kind of getting to the point of this was the type of game where if they pitch a shutout, you're going, yeah, that's probably about what you should do. It's kind of what I wanted for fantasy. I had the Chiefs everywhere. I thought that it would be that type of game. They were fine, but maybe a little underwhelming. Um, kind of let they play with their food a little bit. But I feel like that's still a defense that you can trust 
Um, you're going to have to. Like, again, that's, I don't think the Chiefs work in the playoffs this year without the defense being the best element of this team. Well, and they are a bit healthier now. And it travels. Uh, yeah, it travels. So I've heard. You, you can have uh, solid performances wherever you go. I mean, they've, they've done that already. They've shown it so far this year. They can uh, go to other places and have those types of defense performances. They just need the depth and the health to be able to get through the season. They are third in the NFL right now in scoring average against, so they allow 17.5 points per game behind only Baltimore and San Francisco. And probably should have passed Baltimore this week. Again, I'm going to launch into the Jaguars. And then maybe the officiating a little bit tomorrow because Calvin Ridley had a touchdown at the end. Like They had uh, 20 points you could argue wiped off the board. Dude, that OPI you, you call on Rashi so? Rice was crazy. What, Speaking the, of refs. On the, oh, the Ridley, I, for, on the Ridley play? The Calvin Ridley at the end of yesterday's game. I, I thought he had the whole butt cheek in. I I don't know. I th- there was a still image. Like, see, the, Ter- uh, who is it? Terry McCauley. Is it McCauley? Who had the, uh, yeah. yeah, who was the analyst from the officiating side. He, he said, oh, Terry, clearly they- it's a touchdown. I saw a gray area. I thought it was a touchdown, but I thought that going with stands was maybe the right call. The one thing I wonder about is like when you're in the field of play or whatever and you try to do a toe tap but your heel comes down out of bounds, they still say like, well, if your heel came down, then you're you're out of bounds right. even if the toe tapped in bounds first. I wonder if when he's sliding if that there was just enough gray area of when did he actually go out of bounds was there full control. Anyway, the point being, the Chiefs, good defense, but offensively, they're at 22.8 points per game. That's tied for 10th. So, I, I don't know which of those things is going to, like, I don't think suddenly the Chiefs are going to become that 30-point-per-game team again. Not this year. They're going to need some offseason changes to be that. So, be that team that if you can hold everybody to 17 or fewer throughout a playoff run, you might have a chance. That's a lot to ask of a defense, Andy, but I think that is where the, the Chiefs find themselves at this point. 875-KTGR. How far will the Chiefs go? You can call or text us with what you think on that, and you can also comment on our Facebook page and weigh in there, facebook.com slash KTGR Big Show. Talking more uh, Chiefs and uh, much more uh, throughout the show, and also uh, tune in for tomorrow's Good, Bad, and Ugly for that. But we got to talk some college next. With the Cotton Bowl coming very soon, what does Mizzou's matchup look like with who might be on the Ohio State side? We'll talk to Bill Connolly of ESPN with what he thinks next on The Big Show. You are listening to The Big Show Podcast on KTGR.com. We're back here on The Big Show, KTGR, KTGR.com, and the KTGR app with Andy, Brendan, and producer Chris. And joining us now on the KTGR hotline is our good friend Bill Connolly, our college football expert. You can find him on Twitter at ESPN underscore Bill C. And subscribe now to ESPN Plus to read all of his great stuff about college football and the like as we get closer and closer to the New Year's Six games and, and everything that will be going on there. Uh, well, But let's start with uh, the first New Year's Six Bowl game on the calendar and that'll be mizzou against uh, ohio state at the cotton bowl uh, a friday away from now uh, in about 10 or 11 days so uh, i mean uh, bill we're we're kind of highly anticipating how both teams will look it seems that mizzou is pretty much all locked in with all their key players ohio state had some transfers out for sure but as far as opt-outs i don't know if we're seeing as many as we maybe thought marvin harrison jr is still kind of out there and all all indications, at least for now, would point to him playing. But I wonder how you maybe see uh, the, the developing situation with Ohio State and what their group might look like coming uh, this this next Friday. 
Yeah, I mean, I think you know, the assumption when you just looked at all the draft-eligible guys was that a whole heck of a lot would be, you know, and the fact that their season kind of ended on in disappointed fashion, uh, you know, maybe a lot of guys would check out. But so far, I mean, even Emeka Egboko, who declared for the pros, I think he said he's going to play too. So really, you're just looking at missing Kyle McCord, which, you know, isn't nothing. He, he, he won the job. He was supposedly better than Devin Brown. Devin Brown is supposedly going to be healthy, but it's kind of a messy situation at the QB position. I mean, if you're Ohio State, you won with defense this year. Your quarterback position was kind of a mess all year. And, and so, you know, in theory, you know, my SP plus rankings, uh, you know, if it was full strength plus uh, against full strength would say Ohio State by eight, eight and a half. And I don't think they've lost eight or eight and a half points uh, to the portal right now. I think, you know, McCord's probably worth a couple, but that's about it. And, and it's going to be a pretty tall task for Missouri, I think. Yeah, and of course, you know, when they replace guys that might still end up opting out by the time that that game rolls along, they'll still replace them with some pretty talented players that we just maybe haven't seen as much this right. year. So, I mean, the, the uncertainty factor of that is certainly, uh, palpable, but on the Mizzou side, I mean, there's, there's not much to, to maybe adjust. You basically see the same sort of guys out there with the exception of maybe one guy on defense. Uh, I mean, uh, it's pretty easy to evaluate what Mizzou might look like with uh, uh, with this matchup here, and I wonder what it kind of shapes up in your end. Yeah, I mean, that, that's pretty much, I mean, we know uh, from a health standpoint, Missouri's looking pretty good overall, and um, it's really, I mean, this is an aggressive Missouri defense that, that you know, um, that, well, that, that can cause some trouble here against Ohio State's offense. Uh, if it is lacking in sharpness at all because of the quarterback position. Um, but, you know, the, Mizzou did give up some big plays occasionally, too. And, and really, um, you don't need too many of those to flip a game. So it, it is really interesting matchups here. I mean, I think the biggest problem for Missouri heading in is just that this is probably the best defense they've seen all year. Ohio State's defense is really, really good. And, and it's the reason why, you know, as disappointing as not making the playoff might seem, they're still – 11-1, they still, um, you know, I'm trying to figure out who might even be close. Like, Georgia's defense was just about, from a numbers standpoint, was just about as good. And Missouri scored 21 on that. Uh, but that's pretty much the only dynamite defense that Missouri has faced this year. And Ohio State is probably better than Georgia. They were really, really good this year. And I'll be curious how, how Missouri chooses to attack that. Bill Connolly of ESPN with us on the big show, KTGR and KTGR.com. And, and probably particularly so with that matchup, with uh, Mizzou going up against Ohio State's defense. Uh, I wonder for a, a guy like Cody Schrader, who has put up all kinds of uh, great numbers, even against some of the better run defenses that he had faced in the SEC, uh, this, again, might also be the, the toughest test for him. So, uh, I, I mean, again, we continue to, uh, to maybe adjust uh, our expectations for him based off of the tougher opponents that he ends up facing, but then he keeps on shattering him. I just wonder how important uh, he'll be for uh, Mizzou as they try to crack that. Yeah, I mean, from a number standpoint, the, the the pass defense was certainly better than the run defense for Ohio State. So there might be, you know, if, you know, yeah, you, you, you doubt Cody Schrader at your own peril at this point, I guess. So like, If he's able to keep Missouri on track and really kind of establish that physical presence that he did basically the entire last half of the season, then, yeah, that, that might open some things up. But it is um, – it, it's a really, really solid front overall. And the secondary is probably uh, – again, this Georgia's the only defense comparable. And I guess, you know, if, if you are, are facing a new uh, a backup quarterback and, 
you know, the offense wasn't as good as it was supposed to be this year for Ohio State. Maybe 21, 24 points gets it done, but it's, I think that is definitely asking a lot. Yeah, probably so, and uh, we'll we'll see what the the rosters look like going forward uh, for Ohio State. Um, Zoo kind of knows what they're dealing with for the most part. Uh, it should be a really exciting matchup coming up next Friday in Arlington. Uh, the the playoff games. Want to ask you about those too? Uh, let's start with, uh, I guess, Alabama and Michigan in the Rose Bowl with how. Uh, Michigan from start to finish, even though there's there's questions about how they got there, of course, and how they maybe got there last year with the sign stealing and everything like that, but just how they've been able to uh, keep up their defensive intensity and what they might have to uh, go up against with, with Alabama and how uh, their offense just uh, has looked like a, a much better unit, I think, going forward throughout this season. Yeah, this is really kind of the ultimate in efficiency versus explosiveness here. And just that, I mean, Michigan has been easily, by you know, to me, the most consistently elite team of the season uh, to the point where they just haven't really – they've only played a few important snaps all year. They've just taken care of business, mostly obviously against lesser competition. But when they needed to make a play against both Penn State and Ohio State late, they, they did so. They really left very little of a chance. And um, their, their efficiency levels, especially on defense, but really – both sides has been really, really strong this year. And Alabama's just been all over the map. You know, they they tried to lose to Auburn. They thought about losing to Arkansas and, and Texas A&M and, and then they beat Georgia at the end of the year. And they're just a, a, a pretty inconsistent. They, they, they're I think the the consistency has improved on the offensive side of the ball. The the sacks went down over the last half of the season, uh, but they're still a pretty all or nothing unit. As we saw, you know, again with with the Auburn and Georgia games back to back, um, and and that makes it really kind of interesting. I think from an upside perspective, Alabama's obviously got the edge here, but. You know, you know, if you're making one big plays versus three, that can make the difference in the game. So um, I, I, I haven't, with JJ McCarthy's effectiveness kind of dissipating a little bit at the end of the season. I, you know, maybe that allows you to lean toward Alabama if you want. But this one is kind of. Uh, this one's tricky. I, I haven't decided. I think, uh, you know, if they played 10 times, maybe Michigan went six up because of that consistency. Uh, but Alabama coming off of its best performance of the season certainly makes it uh, makes it feel like a toss-up or makes it feel like maybe they have an edge. Well, yeah, and and it sure seems that if Alabama is still going to uh, crack open defenses like they had done, and if it turns into a shootout, I guess maybe it comes down to whether or not a quarterback like J.J. McCarthy can lead an offense that can stay in a shootout like that, because Michigan hadn't been in too many of those. Yeah, and I mean, it's funny because even last year, you know, heading into the Ohio State game, we're like, man, Michigan hasn't made many big plays this year. That could bite them. And then they just made all sorts of big plays against Ohio State and TCU, really. Um, and and it, it was just basically like they knew they, they didn't have to dip in and out, so they didn't until they had to. Well, they're going to have to against Alabama. Whatever they've been saving uh, in reserve. Um, they really haven't made any big plays this year, or not many of them. The passing game has done what it needed to do, but certainly didn't uh, produce a lot of uh, huge chunk plays by any means. So you do feel like this is if if they're going to be relying on third down conversions and and you know getting you know six yards on third and five or whatever, it's going to be really hard to beat Alabama that way. But uh, yeah, whatever they have in reserve that they haven't used yet, if they can divvy it out like they did last year, they'll have a good chance. 
Bill Connolly of ESPN with us here on the Big Show KTGR and KTGR.com. And then you have uh, on the other side Washington and Texas, which we know both of those offenses can uh, put together a lot of explosive plays. But is it – I mean, we, we talk a lot about their offenses, but are there – uh, are the defenses for both of these teams maybe not getting as much attention and, and to which unit there could maybe stand out and possibly gain a, a really good edge for their team in this one? Yeah, I think Texas has the edge because their defense has been much better over the course of the season. Um, yeah, now, I mean, Washington, you could probably say that they're what two or three best performances of the year came late. Like Oregon state, obviously that was a monsoon, but holding Oregon state to 20 points is good. Uh, you know, Washington state at 21 is not bad. 31 for Oregon is actually pretty good too. So, you know, if they can hold Texas under a season average, obviously Washington's offense is going to give them a shot at the win. I just, you know, what we saw from Washington late in the year between Oregon games, they really left a lot to chance. They had to lean really, really hard on their run game with Dylan Johnson when Texas's defensive front is easily the best thing they've seen this year. So uh, they're not going to be able to lean on the run game quite as much, I don't think. It's going to be all Penix, and and maybe he can, you know, go out and throw for 400 yards and, and take it that way, but it's going to be pretty hard. I think Texas has a few ways to win. Washington really only has one, and that's the win and attract me you know, with 500 passing yards. And they certainly can. You know, I, 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 it will be certainly fun to watch no matter what. I just feel like Texas has a little bit more margin for error here. Probably so. That could be an interesting one to uh, uh, to follow as uh, get, we get closer and closer to that one also. Uh, now let's maybe look a little bit even further into the future, Bill. Uh, 2024 schedules out for the SEC. We now know the dates of all of these games. We knew who Mizzou was going to be playing. We just didn't know when. But i I got to say, now that we know when the games are going to be, uh, at least I see a, a much better path to maybe even a similar season to what Mizzou had uh, this year. What What do you make of uh, the ordering of the games and how it might uh, affect Mizzou's chances next year? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you got your two hardest games kind of clustered right there together with Alabama and Oklahoma. So that makes a tricky situation. But, I mean, coming off of a big year this year, being able to start with Murray State, Buffalo, Boston College, Vanderbilt uh, is – you really can't ask for much more than that. This is this is easily the easiest schedule in, in the SEC, and it's not really all that close, even with Alabama and Oklahoma uh, right there back-to-back. So, you know, it, it, I, I was kind of curious about the order and everything else, too, just because they were able to start well this year with that Kansas State game. You know, after surviving Middle Tennessee, they were able to beat Kansas State and get off to a nice start. Um, and the confidence, the levels that that, you know, that, that kind of created, you know, in theory, you've got a chance to do the same thing next year. It's going to be really hard to, to, you know, they were 4-0 and won one score games this year. It's really hard to duplicate that in back-to-back years, but you look at the way the schedule takes shape, you might not have to worry about all that many close wins here if you can really take care of business and, and play uh, sharp against the teams you're supposed to beat. So, yeah, I mean, it's not always going to be this easy with the new SEC, but take advantage of it while you can. That's the most important part, so we'll see if Mizzou can do that next year. Certainly a lot to figure out with you know who's going to be on the team next year and everything like that. This week will certainly uh, dictate quite a bit into what that might look like in the future, but uh, uh, definitely an exciting time for Mizzou as they uh, try to keep that football momentum going. Bill Connolly of ESPN here on the Big Show KTGR. Thanks, Bill, for, for coming on as always. Again, you can go and read his stuff at ESPN.com with your Plus subscription and follow him on Twitter at ESPN underscore Bill C. Thanks again, Bill. We'll talk soon. Sounds good.
It's 440 here on the big show, KTGR and KTGR.com. Already can't wait for 2024. Not just because of the recruiting week this week, but just the schedule. Like, give it to me right now. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting, uh, Bill, saying that he thinks it's easily the easiest uh, schedule in the SEC. I think, I think if right. you look at the... I think he's right. I think if you look at the whole thing, that's true, including the non-cons, because Missouri doesn't really have a major non-con challenge. Wait a second now. They're traveling to Massachusetts, buddy. That's big time. They don't have a challenge. Like, when I'm thinking of, I know that's sarcasm, and that's not to say Missouri can't lose that game. Believe me, I'm going to be on pins and needles that week when it comes to B. But I'm thinking of, like, go back and look at that Texas schedule. I'm serious. If you take away the Michigan game, which is obviously one of the toughest non-cons anybody's got in America. I don't think their SEC schedule is too tough, but uh, Mizzou definitely did get a favorable break and uh, the bye weeks and everything with when they're scheduled. I think it's I, I think it's, could be a lot of fun, especially if this recruiting momentum that we're hearing a lot about today transpires and they continue to hit the portal hard. Yeah, we'll see if that uh, it keeps on going and we'll maybe give you a bit of an update on what that recruiting looks like. But up next, we will... Go on to the bus to some of the NFL moments from the weekends. But first, before that, our picks recap. You I, owe me, I passed, you dipstick. I passed Brendan in a certain category. That's next. Not the one that matters. <laughs> That's next. You're listening to the Big Show Podcast on KTGR.com. Right now, under the bus in a bit, and the sweetest thing in sports coming up. Let's get to our picks of the week recap real quick. Before we do any of that, here on the Big Show with Andy Brendan and producer Chris. I passed Brendan in pushes. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I had not one but two pushes this week. How about that? Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. I mean, about. For, for a guy that started out by claiming you didn't want pushes, <laughs> you sure want a lot of minus three. Now I want them the all. The field goal spreads, man. Those will those will be what get you. Those and it's happened you. to you now three times. Yeah. Happened with the Bengals and the Browns this weekend for me, and I went one, two, and two. Meanwhile, Brendan three and one. He's got one tonight. Eagles minus three. The good news for you, Brendan, is that it looks like Jalen Hurts is going to play. That's so, I actually hadn't seen that, and yeah. it's huge news for me in fantasy because I was starting Noah Fant in a must-win scenario if I didn't have oh Jalen Hurts active oh because somebody else picked up the backup. Mariota. So yeah. anyway, could use a little Jalen Hurts magic for multiple reasons now, uh, because I think producer Chris secured a three and two week, right? So if I lose, we tie. yeah, because you cheated me, Humphrey. What? What happened? What on what that happened? New Mexico pick? What do you mean? You told me. Oh, so yeah, it's basically a home game. You didn't tell me they were playing at New Mexico. That's what. This no, I did true. tell you. We you told, no, yeah, I did tell you. That it was. Oh yeah, it's basically no, a home I, game. No, I, I did say it was basically a home game because it was oh, pretty much. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's not how it now, works. Now here's the pal. thing. Now I will. That's say. not how it works, buddy. So what I will, do you mean? I have to side with Andy. I remember this conversation. He was pretty clear about it not being specifically at their stadium, but it was like basically. And you switched your pick because of it. Yeah, you were you were enamored. You didn't tell me it was at the pick. Flip University State. If if I knew that, I, I would have wrote been like, down All right, on the sheet Fresno it's State geo- for Chris. Geo- and then geographically, yeah. it was very favorable for New Mexico State. However, if you, state. if you if uh, you heard Jerry Kill's post game press it's conference, it, dude. <laughs> oh man, did you not hear about this, Brendan? Oh, I heard. Oh, yeah. Unfamiliar. Need, oh, we need I to put. The, oh, I forgot to put this in the. We have to put this in the bus now because it. it okay. Oh man, Jerry Kill. Good. Go and find the video somewhere. Because we're about it's not, to do the 
But Craig, yeah, no, I get it. But no, but but at some point, Brendan, you have to go and find the video of Jerry Kill because I mean he had some expletives in it, so we can't air everything he said. But it's like two minutes of just Oh, oh, my computer here is hooked wow. up live to the air, so let me just grab it and I'll be good to go. <laughs> well, that, that'll be that'll be good. So let's, sure enough, let's get two. It's time to go under the bus on the big show. All right, so the situation with that Jerry Kill was upset by New Mexico State head coach. Of course, they lost to Fresno State in the New Mexico Bowl over the weekend. What a shame! I know. Uh, he was very complimentary of the uh, the bowl officials, like the actual New Mexico Bowl staff, for what they did to, to accommodate uh, their their team and everything. But he was calling out the AD of New Mexico because, if you recall, New Mexico State's quarterback, uh, well, he relieved himself on the oh, logo the of the yeah the yeah. pee yeah okay yeah. got Nothing it fake about yeah. it that yeah, was all yeah. real so uh so he he peed on the logo of the uh new mexico indoor facility field uh and so that obviously prompted this whole oh should he play should he not play ultimately according to jerry kill they did discipline this this quarterback i don't think he i don't think he missed a game but they made him do like community service or stuff like that and say right. look we punished the guy now Fast forward to this bowl game. New Mexico's AD is fighting against the bowl officials letting New Mexico State practice in the indoor facility. In fairness, he said the last time this kid <laughs> the was last there, time this guy he peed, yeah, on right, he peed on the field. Um, <laughs> That's actually pretty funny. But and then Jerry Kill uh, was, uh, of course, uh, not happy about that. Eventually, they were allowed to practice on the field, but the bowl officials had to. Kind of make sure that it all Probably happened. Super you know, some extra work. They had police officers there, apparently. Uh, make so, sure there were yeah. some restrooms available for the players and, if they should. Right, exactly. Should call. And then Jerry Kill goes on this rant after the game about New Mexico's AD and said that he should be disciplined too for how he was acting toward New Mexico State's team in this whole scenario of them trying to compete or practice in the indoor. Yeah, you should have seen what the AD did to their mascot. Just terrible. <laughs> exactly. Man. It cost me a pick. So, uh, well, Jerry Kill. Under the bus. For New Mexico, specifically the AD under the bus. No, I Honestly, though, yeah. as the AD, I can kind of understand it. Uh, I mean. Given the I circumstances. Under- yeah, that, that is true. It was just funny to see Jerry Kill go off on it. You seriously do have to see that video. Uh, under the bus to Sean Payton. This is very weird. Uh Laid into Russell Wilson on the sideline after they failed to get first and goal from the one, I think it was. Punched in for a touchdown against the Lions. Uh, Broncos instead had a couple of plays called back or at least, or called down at the one that I think were very challengeable. And if Sean Payton had chosen the challenge, I think he probably would have won. But for whatever reason, he's calling out Russell Wilson after. So, sure enough, offensive offside on a lineman of all people. And... And it's they, Kadarius Tony's fault. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's it was Kadarius Tony's fault for this whole thing. They're just messing around out there. For uh yeah. for, for all this. So he's laying into Russell Wilson. We obviously can't hear what he's saying, but it looked very weird because it didn't seem that any of this was Russell Wilson's fault and John Payton's getting mad at the eh. Russell Wilson catching a stray, I'm I think I'm okay with it. <laughs> all right, moving on. I'd rather have John Payton catch the stray if you ask me. You know? Yeah, well, come on. He makes more money.
Actually, it does. Under the bus. Yeah, no, Wilson does. Yeah, but like Will, Russell Wilson makes yeah. more money. But like an insanely large part. But Russell Wilson, quarterback, the fantasy team of mine that is going to win this week. So we're cool. All right, right. very good. Very good. Under the bus to Devontae KZ. He was suspended for the rest of the year for a hit that he gave on Michael Pittman Jr. It, it is a bad. nasty. It was a nasty hit. Bad hit. And, uh, it, he was basically suspended for repeat offenses, and so if that's the final straw, yep. I get that's it. That's the way that works. Under the bus. Get that hit out of the game. And under the bus, the Titans, you got what you deserved yeah, for this. Thought you, could dress up your sta- thought you could dress up your stadium like the Oilers. Thought you could dress just like the oh, Oilers. Oh, that's what that this is. Mike Vrabel could come in with the cowboy hat thinking he's bummed Phillips all of a sudden. And in true Oilers fashion... They blow a 13-0 lead, and they lose to Case Keenum and the Texans on a last-minute field goal. That is what you deserve, Titans. I can't stand it. This one's for you, Moon. This one's for you. That's for you, Moon. I needed needed more from Nick Folk in that game, so (laughs) that's all I can say. Sorry that he did not deliver, but he was wearing the wrong wardrobe, apparently. It's time for the sweetest thing in sports. On the big show. Sweetest thing is with our friends at the Candy Factory. This holiday season, gift your co-workers some tasty treats and chocolates from the Candy Factory in downtown Columbia. Online at thecandyfactoryonline.com. Eli Drinkwitz is one of five finalists for the Bobby Dodd Trophy. He goes to, uh, it's another Coach of the Year uh, award for the best uh, coach of college football. Uh, showing integrity and scholarship and and things of that nature. Drinkwitz, one of five finalists among Nick Saban, uh, Kaylin DeBoer, Mike Norvell is on there, and I'm forgetting who Arizona's coach is, but Arizona's coach is also yeah, one of the finalists. I, I know the guy. It, it, you can say his name. Dillingham? No, that's not it. I know that it's not that. Kenny Dillingham no, or something? No, that's not it. Uh, but congratulations to Drinkwitz either way. Jet Fish! Drinkwitz. Okay. Fish, that's right. We got Arizona State's coach. Come on. Well, this was sweet. Congrats to Drink for being named to another list that he deserves to be on because he had a great season. And maybe more to come? Question mark? Maybe more to come. More transfer talk, hopefully. More transfer talk, recruiting talk, maybe a Cotton Bowl championship to go with it. Who knows? We'll talk some Mizzou football at 525. But at 505, this Mizzou men's hoops team, uh, they dropped one that probably shouldn't have dropped. Last night in Kansas City. Can they pick things up soon? We'll talk about that next year on the Big Show.